Hey everyone, welcome to the Culture of Truth. This is a podcast that reviews the truth of God's Word and discusses the influence it has on our lives and worldview. My name is Will Hawkins, and alongside of me are my good friends Jeff Amstutz. What up? And Robert Greer. What's up, guys? <laughs> In our last series, we walked through the doctrine of the Word of God from Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. And within that, we discussed the four characteristics of Scripture, which are authority, clarity, necessity, and sufficiency. The main takeaway from all that was that the Bible is the ultimate source of truth, and we encourage you to go back and listen to them when you can. As we mentioned in the first episode of the podcast, we want to spend time covering a doctrine of theology, but we also want to cover a book of the Bible and that we would move back and forth between the two. Um, And while transitioning to a book of the Bible gives a break from something very heady like a doctrinal study, it also brings us back to the source of truth. Uh, Today, we start a new series on 1 Peter. There's a real simple process for this, and it's called REAP, and we're going to have Jeff walk us through what that is. Yeah, REAP is a hermeneutic, which is a fancy word for the method in which you study the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so REAP is an acronym. It stands for read, examine, apply, and pray. So read is to just put your eyeballs on the text, read it from start to finish, whatever whatever chunk you want to study. Examine is to... Make sure you understand what the text is saying, which can include some context about the book that you're reading and who it's to and the author. And then apply is to say, what is this text saying to me? And what is it saying about my life? And then pray is to pray for God to change you with that truth you just read. That's great. Before we do that, why don't we go ahead and check in with everybody? Jeff, how have you experienced God's truth this week? Yeah, this past Tuesday, uh, the Austin Stone had a all-church worship prayer night uh, at Q2 Stadium. So for those of you that are not in Austin, Q2 Stadium is where Austin FC MLS team plays, which is really cool. It's a really cool stadium. And it was really a great time for me to be reminded of why it's important to gather with all of the people in the church or to gather with larger groups very infrequent. This is the first time the stone did it in like six years, I think. So it's a very infrequent thing, but there's something about seeing more of heaven when you get to see more of God's people come together and just pray and worship God. Cause that's what you're going to be doing in heaven forever. Mm-hmm. So get used to enjoying it. Yeah. A collective body coming together and worshiping. Yeah. So representative of what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was it was incredible to uh, pray with people we were sitting around, people I had never met before, some people that uh, we saw from our small group. Uh, it was great to worship in that context with like all of Austin Stone worship staff just leading us out, but with so many people um, just belting it out. Like it was it was a really uh, encouraging time for me to feel that, which then should encourage me in contexts that are much smaller, like this. Mm. Uh, that it's you don't do it for the big or do it for the small, but they both help each other. Right. How about you, Rob? Yeah, so this Monday, this past Monday, my fiance and I started premarital counseling. Oh, hey. yes. yes. Hallelujah. And so, man, what a what a time that was for, for her and I just to learn about relational needs and you know, just to kind of talk with friends of ours that we know have, have done premarital counseling in the past, but also just have also done it for close friends like us. And, you know, it was a, it was a real sweet time just to see God 
use that time to reveal things to us about ourselves that either one we knew about our own individual personalities, but also how we interact with, with each other. As I said earlier, those relational needs just kind of brought out some, some things that I was like, man, that's like a very small need of mine, but for her, that's very big. And so, you know, when I look forward to being a husband in 2022, it's like, how am I going to continue to meet that relational need for my wife and, and love her well there? And I just think it's a really cool picture of how God wants to use us to be a picture of his love for, for the church through Jesus. And so, yeah, experiencing that truth this week was, was good stuff, man. Nice. Yeah, I love that. You're setting the foundation for your marriage. And you're, sin- right. you're centering it on Jesus that whole time by, by going through biblical mir- premarital counseling. So that's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, guys. And for me, the truth that I've experienced this week, I was kind of wrestling with it for a minute. Um, and then <laughs> before this podcast, Jeff kind of fleshed it out with me. So I was like, okay, maybe I do have something to talk about. Uh, so I might ramble a little bit. I'll try to keep it short. The truth that I'm experiencing about God is that he's, he's in control. In the context for my life right now, I don't feel like I'm have control. So I think he's showing me that I need to take my hands off of some things and there's not, I don't always have the answers. I, I can't carry the weight. So I've felt like there's been weight just pressing on me at all times. Uh, I've had thoughts to where am I, am I depressed? Is this something that I'm dealing with? I don't know. I've never experienced that, that the, what I've never experienced what I'm experiencing right now. I can wake up and not really understand why I don't really feel motivated or um, happy or excited for anything. I'm kind of just level. I don't know if numb's necessarily the right word. So I have some fatigue and just some other things. So for me, I'm really trying to wrestle reminding myself of truth, right? And trying to work through that and trust him that he's going to help me through this on a daily basis. But then I know there's a, a medical side of it too. So it's like I, what I'm trying to do right now is pray and ask him to show me how those all merge together. Like going to the doctor, getting blood work done, seeing if there's actually some deficiencies going on or some imbalances chemically, right? So I can get those looked at. Because um, sometimes that can be an easy fix. And so right now I'm, I'm trusting that God's working through the doctors to help me. And so then it's the other flip side of that would be counseling, right? Biblical counseling. And meeting with somebody that I've met with in the past, picking that back up and actually meeting one-on-one. And so I was getting ready the other day and I just was thinking about this podcast and thinking about the truths that we've gone through. And it, it really, it was a really cool, a really cool moment because I was able to sit there and be like, that is why we're doing it. That's why, that's why I want to do these kinds of things, right? That's why I want to read the word. That's why I want to talk to my friends about it and be reminded of that truth because it's going to help me in those moments where I feel low or when I'm success and feel triumph, like those truths apply in any situation. And so I, I was able to, because I've been feeding myself with that truth. I've been, I was able to encourage myself and it was able to encourage me in a moment where I felt low. So for me, that would be my truth this week, guys. Folks, uh, I feel very led uh, to just pray for Will right now. If you're listening to this, there's this really cool thing that we know about God is that he's outside of time. So you're going to hear this prayer after we've prayed it. But if you pray with us, God, God isn't confused about when it happened compared to now. So I just encourage you to join and pray with me for Will right now. Lord, we come before you thankful for uh, who you are, for the ways that you work that we don't understand. 
Uh, we ask you uh, to just move in Will's life. Holy Spirit, we pray you would just point him to Christ, uh, point his identity to be solely based on the work and accomplishment of Jesus Christ, of the resurrection. Um, and that means so much to us so dearly, but uh, we as sinners sometimes feel distant. Uh, we, we feel trials, tribulations that test us. Lord, we know that uh, we want our faith to come out as genuine and pure as we're going to read in, in First Peter. But Lord, we want will to be drawn toward you through trial, through de- feeling depressed, through um, struggling through life right now. Uh, we're thankful for him to, to be here tonight. And we pray that you would just bless our conversation, knowing that the truths that we're going to read build us up and and turn us into Christ because they're they're full of life from you. So we pray this for Will and for ourselves the, this evening. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. 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 Um, yeah, my eyes are a little watery. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks for that, Jeff. You bet. Um, guys, pray for your friends. Pray for the people you don't know. Pray for the people you love. Uh, don't wait till later. Do it in the moment. So that right there was a great, great example of that. So I appreciate that, Jeff. Okay. Well, natural transition right here. <laughs> yeah. Let's set the stage for what we're going to be walking through today in result of uh, future episodes as well. So Jeff, why don't you kick us off? Yeah. A part of REAP is to examine and examining uh, is really more complete when we sit and consider the author and who the author is writing to and the time period and context to which that person was writing. So we know that Peter is an apostle, and we'll talk about that in verses one and two. And apostleship means personally walked with Christ. Uh, it's, that's apostleship. So uh, we know that Peter is someone that is storied throughout the Gospels. Uh, lots of interactions with Christ that uh, are recorded and uh, are helpful for us to see even a heart that's very passionate for Jesus um, can falter. Like when he denies Christ very directly, uh, directly as, as Jesus called it. Um, but we also know that, that Peter's the one as who essentially was kicking off the church in, in the book of Acts, preaching the first sermons ever to be preached. And so we know that, that Peter is one of the core fathers of the, of the faith from, uh, the initial push of the great commission. When Jesus said, go and make disciples, Peter was at the forefront of that. And so that's who's writing. And he was writing to churches spread throughout Asia Minor um, and Rome and all these different places mentioned in verses 1 and 2. Uh, but uh, we know that he's writing to Christians. And he's writing to people who know about Jesus. And he is going to speak the words of the Holy Spirit to them. So with that, uh, why don't Rob, you go ahead and just read the passage for us. We're going to do verses 1 through 12. Yep. So verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation 
ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Verse 10, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the spirit, the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Okay, well, let's go ahead and look at verses one and two first. We'll walk through that reap, right? We'll walk through what does the text say? Um, we've kind of already done that a little bit, but then what does it say to us? What is it saying to us? Yeah, big thing for me uh, with greetings and a lot of epistles, whether they be Paul's epistles, Peter's epistles, um, that greetings, I think, have things that are still valuable for us, especially when Paul's like, hey, what's up, believers? <laughs> it's like, it, 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 there's more than that. Like, please don't skip over it. Mm. And... Uh, a couple things jumped out to me when I was reading this uh, before tonight. One is, I'm going to start at the very end here. May grace and peace be multiplied to you is an interesting thing to have to say outright because that means that grace is something that shows up when there's sin to give grace for. So when you need grace multiplied, it means there's probably a lot of sin going on that you're having to give grace for. <laughs> That's, that's easy to miss. And the same thing with peace. Peace is being content with the will of God, that you are okay with what he is doing. That's really what peace is. That doesn't mean there aren't trials, there isn't suffering, but peace just means, Lord, your will be done, how Jesus could peacefully still go to the cross. So if you need peace be multiplied, it means there's a lot of, a lot of suffering going on. Yep. So... For him to say, may grace and peace be multiplied to you is not something to just be like, well, that's a nice platitude. No, it's like these, these folks were dealing with some stuff. Yeah. It's like, well, if I said, may my grace and peace be multiplied to you before you talked about your, your check-in, it would be just like, oh, that's nice. But after that, it's like, man, for real, may grace and peace be multiplied to you because you're dealing with some stuff. So anyway, that, that just jumped out the page at me when I was reading it. Yeah, what about you, Rob? Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I love that Peter reminds the readers of the authority that he has. I mean, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. This is a man, as you stated earlier, Jeff, that literally spent all the time with Jesus during his ministry. And as close as he was, both in proximity and relationally with Jesus, this was also a man who, who messed up. I mean, he also denied Christ um, three times. But I think what's so encouraging for me is to just see that, you know, Peter's reminding them, like, although I'm a sinner, like, I'm also the same man who was with Jesus when he was here before he ascended. 
And so as I'm writing these things to you elect exiles, you believers who are spread across, you know, Asia Minor and these other parts of Eastern Hemisphere is these things that I'm saying to you are of of most importance, utmost importance. Um, And I just think it's really cool to, to be reminded of that, that authority. And you touched on something that we won't camp on too long, but elect exiles Mm -hmm. that God has them exactly where he wants. Mm. He has saved them exactly as he desired. And that there's no surprise in the words that Peter's about to write to them. Yeah. You know, election is really all over the place in the Bible. So we won't camp on that doctrine too much. We'll have a whole episode, I bet on it, or maybe more than one. Yeah. But it's a dense doctrine. It's, (laughs) it's, it's hard sometimes because we us us Westerners love free will, but man, God chose those he saves. And that includes these people that this was written to. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a little background on on what made these people exiles? Huh. Christianity in the early church was not a good way to socially <laughs> be a part of the Roman Empire uh, yep. at all. And I kind of believe true Christianity is really hard to be a mass-produced thing. Like people who say, man, I actually want to submit my life to Jesus fully, that's almost always countercultural. Because culturally, things get kind of mixed up with desires of the flesh. And Jesus wants to kill all the desires of the flesh so that he can be glorified. Um, so it's, it's not surprising that the early church said, hey, uh, my life isn't defined by being Roman or not. It's defined by being a child of God in a kingdom that is far greater than you, you Rome. And that's a great way to get Romans not happy with you. Yeah. I mean, what did they believe that their government or that their authority was the ultimate authority? And when you challenge that by speaking about Jesus as being the ultimate authority, but also someone you submit to and follow, that's offensive. The gospel is offensive, especially to those who don't believe that Jesus is of ultimate authority. And so going back to what I was stating earlier, and Will, I know you want to talk about your understanding of, of, of verses one through two, but... Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, his authority, according to who? In verse 2, it says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And then we go into, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for what? The obedience to Jesus Christ, who gave us the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And as we can see here in verse 2, this is a breakdown of those three in the same verse. God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for the obedience to Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's good, Rob. I don't I don't think I have anything to add to verse 1. I think you guys covered that really well. So what stands out as we look at ver- the next few verses, verses 3 through 5, what stands out to you guys? What is the text saying? Yeah, I think 3 through 9 divides into two halves. So like you said, 3 through 5, uh, and then 6 through 9. The first half saying, blessed be the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, though through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What I understand is to be directly saying is encouragement to remind those Christians of where their identity has come from. So your identity is 
defined by being born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and then reminds them what's coming. So where they're at is because something that's already been done for them and where they're going is to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you. And then all of that wrapped in verse five by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so that's this really big setup then for the second half. Yeah. What about you, Rob? I would echo that, but I think also just it's important to, as you read verse three or that second part of it, it says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is God's initiating something in you to make you his, right? I just think it's also important to remember here that as Peter mentioned about himself being an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the foreknowledge of God, the same thing is true for us who are now born again believers or born again Christians. It's like God, according to his foreknowledge, has made us his sons, his daughters through faith in Jesus Christ. And so I just think that that's what's important as a reminder here for the hope that we have is that that comes from God. That comes from him initiating that hope that is a living hope. And that phrase, you must be born again, comes from John 3, where Jesus says, you you must be born again to be of the kingdom of heaven. It's funny because that was brought up in this context of like, you can't, you can't be reborn. Like I can't come out of the womb again. But the it's oh, a spirit, it, yeah. It's a spiritual rebirth, and it's very clear what that is. It is people who go from opposing God to complete worship of God. Yeah, and that is only done through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is the one gathering those sheep who know His voice, who know His name, who call upon His name, who follow Him, and that's us dumb sheep but the, the, the <laughs> dumb the, sheep <laughs> the point is that being born again is something that scripture directly defines yep. so go read john 3 mm-hmm. and jesus talks about it and if it confuses you ask god to clarify it for you mm. yeah. and the the born again also it's it speaks of being made into a new creation and so that's second corinthians 5:17 what that says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Well, and what the old is and what the new is, is also not that mysterious. You suddenly go from, I don't care about Jesus to Jesus is the only thing that matters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then speaking of Jesus and it, we look into this and it's saying to a living hope. So we kind of already touched on this a little bit, but can you guys imagine if Jesus had not died for our sins, where would our hope be then? In the sacrificial system and hope I can sacrifice enough bulls to atone for my sin. Doesn't that sounds terrible? Yeah. Or in yourself, which is worse. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, that is, that is faith by works, not by grace. Yeah. Those two things actually go together. Don't sound like it, but the old sacrificial system was... Just live a righteous life that can avoid God's wrath. And then guess what? No one can do it. So you have a system to regularly be atoning for your sin. So the wrath of God doesn't just smite you directly. Christ's death and resurrection is our ultimate atonement so that we no longer have to live by works. 
It's a really interesting thought. Like we default to living by works, but now we don't, we don't have to do that. It's yeah. all obsolete. Go don't read Hebrews. To. Don't need that anymore. Christ is the ultimate sacrifice. So when you guys see it say a living hope, can you explain what that means to you and what that means, period? Yeah. I mean, Jesus is alive. Verse 3 ends with, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus did not just live an obedient life to the Father and was nailed to the cross for the sin of man, but he died and was buried and he rose from the grave. And so I think that living hope of, of knowing that Jesus conquered the grave, that Jesus conquered your sin, that Jesus is no longer wrapped in the cloth of his, his death, like he is a living hope of victory over our sin. Um, and he also is going to come back as we'll get here into the verses of six through nine. But that living hope is a hope that is a continual hope and not a hope that just died when Jesus died. Well, without Christ, what is the one thing that motivates everyone that objectively people have their whole life, their expectations are set on one thing. I'm going to die and my life better have been worth it. And what does the Christian say? When I die this body, when this body dies, I'm going to still live because of Christ. Christ showed me that death of this body on earth did not stop God, did not stop Jesus from eternally living. And so it's the demonstration of, guess what? YOLO ain't a thing. You only live once. It's not a thing. Not for the Christian. Not for the one who follows Christ. Does that living hope, that I mean, this is a rhetorical question. I know you're going to know, but that living hope lives with us today, right? Yeah. So. His name's the Holy Spirit. Exactly. So that living hope is not just a future, a future state, right? That we hope towards in the future, uh, like the like the people of the Old Testament, right? They hoped for that. Their hope was placed in the future coming of the Messiah. Yeah, it, it both matter. It's really easy to think that our eternal salvation means that now doesn't matter because my eternity is fixed. Or the other way around is you mm. forget about your eternity and go back to thinking now is the only thing that matters. Wow. But it's actually both now matters and your eternity matters. Wow. What a perfect segue in verses six through nine. Let's, <laughs> let's get it. Let's get it. <laughs> Why'd you read it? I got it. So verse six through nine says, in this you rejoice. This meaning what we just read in verses three through five. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Verse seven, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious in gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse eight, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Verse nine, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so when you hear Jeff, like you just said, you either are looking only to the eternity, but not thinking about your faith and its importance right now and how you live your life, or you're thinking only about your life now and not looking towards the eternal glory to be revealed in the last time, as it says, both places you don't want to be. You want to have both. Both are true and both are important for the tested genuineness of your faith. In this you rejoice. 
you know, when I read that, it just makes me think that no matter what trial I'm going through, the hope that we have in Christ, the living hope, it will always remain. Though now for a little while, if necessary, as Peter's reminding these believers, you've been grieved by various trials. Walking with Jesus, he doesn't promise a, a easy and, and go-lucky life. What he does promise is that it'll be worth it and that you'll get to be with me forever. Yeah, I like the way that James articulates this, uh, basically same thought in James 1, uh, verse 2 and 3, to count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Uh, and the reason I bring that up is because it sounds like an oxymoron to say that you are rejoicing, though you are grieved by various trials. Like those things don't sound like they're supposed to go together. That that's where I'm sitting. I'm looking and I see rejoice and then I see grieve. <laughs> right. And yeah. so I'm saying, how can how can there be in the same heart great rejoicing and yet a temporary heaviness? I think of Romans five through through five. I don't think I'll ever get a tattoo in my life, but if I did, <laughs> I was literally be, about to read it, Romans five. It was it was gonna be it's gonna this is my life verse. Like I literally have this painted on my wife made a painting of this in my office and I love it. Um, it's that not only that, but Paul tells us, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And the reason I love that verse so much is because uh, in competitive debate, which I did in high school, you know, you put arguments on your opponent's points and you go back and forth. The best argument to use is called the turn where you're opponent makes an argument against you and you turn around and say, that's actually good for me and bad for you. You made my argument for me. And so Romans five, three through five to me screams that it's the ultimate turn against Satan to say, Satan, what are you going to do to me? Make me persevere through trials so that it develops my character to be more like Christ so that I have more hope and eternity for Jesus. Thank you for that. It's, it, and, and the reason I brought up James one is because to consider it joy really lends me to a looking back on type memory that you should count it all joy. When you go back in your life and you say, where did God meet me? Where did God show me more of himself? Where did God shape me to be more like Christ? It's really difficult to find those moments outside of trials that he put in your life. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I think just to add to that, that's what helps you in the moment. As Peter is writing this this letter to these believers, it's those moments in your life that you're saying, Jeff, where God has revealed himself to you and he's shown himself to be faithful and, and providing for you and, and showing you that I've got your back and I'm going to sustain you until the end that you say, God, even though I'm going through this current suffering right now, even though I'm going through this current trial in my life where it feels like it's nothing but grief rather than rejoicing i can put my hope into you i can put my hope in you jesus conquering what i can't yeah mm, i mean that's, that's just encouraging to to think about and to to reread yeah to link that then to verse seven so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revel revelation of jesus christ that you, when you go through trials and you look back on them, you say, God absolutely empowered me to endure that. 
to trust him more, to want to praise him more. When you come out the other side, praising Jesus more because of that, that isn't that what you are wanting God to do in your life? <laughs> it, you, it is genuine faith that suffers and loves God more. Amen. And that to me, like even goes back to verse two, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. May you, mm. let me rephrase, let me paraphrase that. May your overlooking of other people's sin and your trust in God's will in your life be multiplied among you. Hmm. I've got that tattooed on my back. <laughs> <laughs> on my back. Um. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, but, it, and, and even, the, even into then verse eight, like though you have not seen him, you love him. Remember who's talking, Peter, <laughs> who actually saw Jesus. Yeah. This, this is, this is like a guy who's like, I was with the dude. Jesus Christ yep. during his ministry, I witnessed him get put on a cross and suffer worse than he ever could have possibly deserved in the whole universe and then conquer the grave and come back and give us the Holy spirit. Like this, who's talking and he's like, look what the Holy spirit's doing in you. And you weren't even there. Mm. That's incredible, man. <laughs> um, I guess for me, yeah, even just recapping and, kind of going through what in what I was saying through my check-in right and then it's awesome that this is what we're this is what we're covering and so I'm able to then kind of look at this and be reminded of this truth but in in summary it's like God has a purpose not only for the trial right but also for the heavy grief we might feel in that trial um, and in that have because in, in that heaviness and I've seen it to be true and like Rob you're saying you can look back at ways he's gotten you out of things before um, to see his goodness right or got you through them. Or, and got yeah. you through them. Yeah. And so in that heaviness, we often learn lessons that we couldn't have learned elsewhere. Um, and he's the one that's that's helping us through that to helping us grow and grow in our faith. Yeah. I mean, and, we all we all like to lift weights. Yeah. The best workouts hurt the most. Exactly. And and there's a reason for it. Like you have to break down and tear down yeah. the in the workout scenario the muscles right yeah. so that way it can rebuild stronger on top of it yeah mm. and so that that's what i see that god does is he he will bring situations or situ he will allow for situations to essentially tear down some things in our lives to then point our point our eyes towards him and trust him in ways that we wouldn't before and there's warnings to that i mean when things are things are perfect we as humans tend to not look towards him Right. We tend to say, I, I, you, the eyes then become, it's like, we're looking in the mirror. We just, we look at ourselves and we say, we are the, the cause of this. We are the results of this. This is by my own doing it takes us away from Jesus being the center. We put ourselves on the throne. Yeah, man. There's a, there's a song that we sing in church a lot. It's called more like Jesus. And I think I even mentioned a different lyric of this same song Yeah, you might have in a previous week. There's another lyric in that song that says, if more of you means less of me, mm -hmm. take everything. Mm -hmm. Folks, if you sing that song, you should very carefully consider that lyric that you're singing yeah. out loud. Yeah. Not that you shouldn't. <laughs> you you should sing it because you should be preaching it to yourself in that moment. But consider the gravity of what that is. Those things on earth that you hold very precious, that you think you deserve, that you think are ultimate in your life. Be ready to hold those with an open hand. I've got things in my own mind. I'm thinking God, God knows our hearts. You can't escape that. And so this is, this is what Peter's talking about, making you more like Jesus by taking anything that distracts you from him away in your life. Yeah, that's awesome. Rob, do you have anything else to add before we jump into verses 10 through 12? 
No, I, th- I think, I mean, this is just so good and just encouraged. And I know for you listeners, just real quick, for you listeners who are listening to this podcast, this sounds like we've had everything together and, you know, we got it all buttoned up. But again, like even for us who are sitting in front of these mics, it's just so encouraging to to go through this together. Like we are, us three are edifying one another and importing each other to Jesus and really gleaning what the scriptures are saying to us, not what we want it to say. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what is, what does the text say? It sounds simple. It can be difficult because sometimes we don't like what it says. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, why don't you, why don't you start us off in 10? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll finish this out here. It says concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that now have been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. The the thing that kind of stuck out to me here was when it, and I had Rob wrote with me today on the way here and I had him reading it out loud and I kept going back. I was like, reread that again. Cause it's saying they were not serving themselves, but you in the things that they, that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you. I was like, I, I mean, I read that, I read that and I'm like, it was written thousands of years ago to these believers. He's speaking to them, the exiled the elected exiles, the ones who were chosen. But I mean, I'm re- I hear that now and it's like, he's speaking to me because he is. And that, that's, what's so amazing about scripture. Um, and it, that just touched me. I was, I, it's like, you can read verses over and over throughout the years and then something just hits you different. Yeah. I think <laughs> when you read that, it's like, man, Peter's not talking to me. He's talking to the dispersion, you know, the, the Pontus, the Galatia, these different countries but verse 10 through 12 is is literally saying to us, this is for you, you know? This is for the church throughout all history, not just that point in time that Peter's writing these verses. And I think that's encouraging. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I second that. And I think what's also really cool is that everything is just building on top of each other. He He starts verse 10 by saying, concerning this salvation, what salvation? The salvation of your souls these things that the prophets prophesied and searched and inquired carefully, like all those things were predicted and spoken of for the purpose of bringing the good news to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and and he he says that for a reason, that it was all testified beforehand by the prophets. So it it speaks to that that authority in that statement that he's speaking. Yeah, and there's a a subtlety here um, that... I think we don't want to lose either. It, in verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. That's actually a, a really peace-giving thought that when you detach your life experience from only being about your life experience. So if you think about the prophets like Jeremiah. Uh, he has to say a bunch of things to Israel that they don't want to hear, and they like beat the crap out of him. And... He has a miserable life trying to say all these things to get them to obey God and they don't over and over and they feel the consequences of it. 
and he's like alone in that. It, what a horrible thing, except that he knew that his prophecies he was declaring and writing down were not just for those moments. It was for something greater than that. And that, what a, what a thing, what a thought to think that, yeah, I don't know what God's going to do with my life, but it's more than just what is Jeff's personal life experience from cradle to grave. Hmm. Well, what a, what a small view of my life. If I think, oh, just what, what's my life? <laughs> what's God doing? And what's my peace in that mm-hmm. is a much, much wider thought to have living hope, which can bring about peace when it doesn't feel great. Like, Man, but I know, I know God's good. I know he's making me more like Christ and whatever I'm going through is worth it. Absolutely. That's definitely something that I'm reminding myself of and will be reminding myself of throughout this week. I'm just super thankful that we've been able to walk through this and be encouraged in his truth today. And we want to say thank you for all those who have listened to this. Uh, We hope that you are encouraged and equipped in truth. I just want to remind you also to go back and listen to the to the previous episodes because those were those were really good. We're excited for for people to hear that. Um, for people to hear that requires you to share this, so please share it with a friend or a loved one, so that way they can be reminded in truth as well. We love y'all. As always, thank you for listening to the Cultural Truth Podcast. Until next time. See you. Bye bye. <laughs> Out. <laughs>